Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The winner by unanimous decision is Muhammad Ali. A champion in the ring. A hero outside the ring. A social transformer. Uh, an anti-war prophet. All people watching this interview... I'm seriously trying to get Joe Frazier and George Foreman in one night and to go down as the greatest fight of all time. Some of them still have doubts and making excuses. I want to whip both of these men in one night and I'll have a record that nobody can touch. Ali did so many things for the people. It was, it was just, uh, it was great. He was more than a boxer. I'm going to do something to Joe Frazier that might be illegal. My lawyers told me to bring a bail bondsman to get me out of jail. They might put my tail in jail and get me out on bail after what I do to Joe Frazier. He's the guy that tell you this is what I'm going to do, and he go out there and do it. Well, after I annihilate this Henry Coop, I want that bear. And what's gonna I want him bad. What's going to happen to him? He might be great, but he'll fall in eight. He was the father of, of the modern athlete, the modern uh, athlete who stood up, spoke out uh, for issues beyond the athletic arena. He moved sports out of the arena of the Tar Department of Human Affairs. Greatest doesn't really capture him. It's not big enough. It doesn't, it doesn't do him justice. Here's a good comedy. But he's ready to go. He's ready to go. didn't just articulate him, for, articulate him for himself, he really didn't just articulate issues for black America. He had articulated issues for humanity. And I said, Joe's going to come out smoking, and I ain't going to be joking. I'll be pecking and a-poking, pouring water on his smoking. And this might shock and amaze you, but I will destroy Joe Frazier. Some people say, you better watch Joe Frazier. He's awful strong. I said, tell him to try and roll on. Words can explain what, you know, Muhammad Ali done for the sport of boxing. Um, you know, he's one of the guys that paved the way for me to be where I'm at today. So, you know, we lost a legend, a hero, and a great man. I predict that this will be Buster's last stand. I will do the Buster what the Indians did to Custer. I'm going to wipe him out. And I'm going to prove that I am still the real champion. You know, he still had that charisma. There's nothing like that. Muhammad Ali magic, and that always existed all the way to the very end. So, um, you know, uh, Muhammad went out with dignity. As I said, uh, the prayers were heard and certainly appreciated. A beautiful compilation there by Nate Geary of Muhammad Ali, who passes away at the age of 74 today the greatest of all time and probably the greatest athlete of all time i think if you're making that list you get michael jordan on there and 
Wayne Gretzky and Tiger Woods, but Muhammad Ali rises above the rest of them. And Zach Lowe, if you follow him, the NBA writer, great NBA writer, just tweeted something that could be tweeted over and over and over again, that if you've never seen When We Were Kings, this was before 30 for 30s were a thing, before we had sports documentaries uh, all over the place. When We Were Kings, about the rumble in the jungle, is the best sports documentary I've ever seen. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading Twitter and going through the timeline with all the people tweeting articles and tweeting photos and tweeting about this documentary about Muhammad Ali. It's not only that he was the greatest athlete of all time, the greatest boxer of all time, he also is part of two of the greatest sports photos of all time. And he's part of the greatest sports documentary of all time. And he's part of, or at least about him, several of the greatest written sports articles of all time. And one of the quotes among the many in what Nate just played was talking about, there isn't a word that we have that rises Muhammad Ali to the status that he deserves. Icon is probably as as high as I can go. To call him the greatest just really doesn't do him justice. So Muhammad Ali dead at the age of 74. Matthew Collar here. Sports Talk Saturday got a lot on tap for you today. Paul Hamilton is down at the NHL Combine. We will also talk with Paul about Muhammad Ali, his legacy, and what it means, and, and remembering some of the great moments of Muhammad Ali's career as he has passed away today. Also, uh, going to talk with Brad Bisbing from the Buffalo Bisons about their promotion to keep Tom Brady suspended. And uh, this is one I think I think all of you will enjoy. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. I, I want to start out with something to, to chime in on, if people would like to, at 803-0550 and 1-888-552-550. Because one of the things that goes along with Muhammad Ali, it's not just his boxing accomplishments that rise him to the level uh, of where he is in his legacy. It's his political activism, his brilliance, his intelligence, his personality. It's the things that he said, his going to jail because he didn't want to go to war. All those things are, are a part of the entire picture of Muhammad Ali. And it got me thinking a lot about where we are in sports now in athletes and activism that it basically doesn't exist anymore. And one of the quotes in the montage that Nate played there was talking about how Muhammad Ali opened the door for political activism from athletes to leave the, the arena, to leave, uh, to leave the ring, that he was an athlete so great that he could do those things and he could say those things and no one could take it away from him. You couldn't cut him. You couldn't take his ice time. You couldn't take his time on the floor, his time on the field, that he was so great that he could continue to box and continue to win and say whatever he wanted to say, which was a lot and a lot of very important things for Muhammad Ali. And we don't really have that anymore. And I think a part of it is just how we've set up the sports world with social media, media coverage, 24-7, and brands and shoe deals and 
athletes feel like if they say anything that they're going to get mauled by social media, by reporters, that it's going to be on ESPN 24-7 debating their comments. I mean, look at Doug Whaley. Doug Whaley said something that's I think we all know to be true about humans and playing football and how it wasn't really meant to be. And they gave him the 24-hour ESPN treatment where it was every show debating you know, one blog site, uh, Pro Football Talk, is talking about firing Doug Whaley for saying that humans shouldn't play football and things like that. That if you say anything, you get crushed so much that I think that it has forced a lot of athletes who would have something to say or might want to say something politically active or important societally to not say it. Because there's a lot at risk, and there's also a lot of criticism that comes along with it that may be different from how it used to be. I want to get to that. I want to get to your calls. But I also, when someone of this magnitude passes away, and it's, I mean, I thought Prince and David Bowie passing away were, were big, the icons, legends. And Muhammad Ali, just in terms of superstardom around the world, probably even dwarfs them. And I'll tell you what I've always done on a day like today. When you lose someone that you never saw play, I never saw him fight. I I heard David Bowie's music, but I was never around when David Bowie was at the height of his superstardom. And I'll tell you what I do, and I think a lot of you do this too. You call your dad, and you listen to him talk about Prince, or, I mean, I I was around enough for Prince, but not in the 80s when he was at his best, or, or David Bowie. And so I decided this morning, and I will take your calls, 8030550, get you in, but I wanted to call my dad. So I'm going to welcome my dad into the show. Hi, Dad. Well, good morning, Matthew. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? I, I, I'm doing okay. So, Dad, I want you to do what we've done for uh, my entire life, was when something like this happens or when you and I were sitting around watching sports that you would tell me about some of the great athletes that I never got a chance to see. I did the show last week on feeling lucky to have seen LeBron James, but I never had a chance uh, to see Muhammad Ali. So can you just tell me about watching Muhammad Ali when you were a kid? Yeah, and I was a kid, so that was a ways back. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, he was a bigger-than-life personality, and uh, he was a great athlete. He had uh, superior footwork and speed. He was very fast. And uh, his typical fight would be that he would be working the outside of the ring, dancing, bobbing, weaving, and then throwing the jab in and, and wearing down his opponent. And uh, boxing was different back then, too. These were There was one heavyweight champion. He fought all the great fighters of that era, and there were many. And uh, it was really something to see. Now, here's what I want you to tell me about, too, Dad, because, I, you know, you've seen the highlights, and I, I can watch it on YouTube, some of his fights, and see how nifty he was and the footwork you're talking about. But I'm curious, uh, you grew up in a very conservative household, and Muhammad Ali would have gone against the grain for a lot of people, and I imagine it splitting America, that there would have been households that some people in the household loved Muhammad Ali and other people did not like Muhammad Ali and not going to war and some of the things he said about racism and things like that. How was he viewed? How did people react to him in, I guess, your household uh, growing up 
and you know even beyond just the the people that you knew the other kids you were growing up with you know it's kind of interesting you bring that up because the you know the 60s and early 70s uh you know there was a lot of things about going against the establishment and of course the establishment in uh, my house is my father and he was not a muhammad ali fan by any means and we used to argue over that because i would read all the stories about him watch all the interviews watch the fights and and I thought that his view on the world was so much bigger and different. And then, you know, uh, he protested the war by, you know, fighting being drafted. And, you know, that was not seen as a, a thing that you did back then. And uh, meanwhile, it was a very unpopular war, especially among young people. And they were proud of the fact that he was standing up to put his own career on the line to, to make a statement. Mm-hmm. Well, Dad, uh, thank you for doing this. And also thank you for always telling me about these things. You and I watched When We Were Kings together, I believe, the uh, documentary about uh, the, uh, the was it the Rumble in the Jungle or Thriller in Manila? Uh, Rumble in the Jungle, right? So we watched that. So. Yeah, we watched that together. So thank you for that. And thank you for, you know, agreeing to come on for a few minutes. Well, you're welcome, Matthew, and uh, he was a very courageous person and uh, will always be a legend. All right. Thanks a lot, Dad. All right. Take care. That was my dad. He's on WGR just now. Matthew Collar, Sports Talk Saturday. I don't know if everyone else does this. I kind of assume they do. But when I was growing up watching sports and we would watch Michael Jordan together and we would watch the New York Knicks of the 90s together and we would watch Jim Kelly together, that he would – talk with me throughout the games and it's one of the things that shapes how you view sports for your life about the great athletes that he had a chance to see that I didn't so just wanted to give you a little a little bit of that 8030550188552550 Muhammad Ali passes away and how would he be viewed if he was doing what he was doing today because i think he as, as courageous and as intelligent and as bright and as outgoing and clever and witty and all those things as he was, I think even he would have had trouble with how much, I want to insult people who do public relations, but how much PR there is to sports now. I mean, the, the, the Bills media policy made a, a bunch of headlines, right? And what the Bills argument was back when people were making fun of them or debating is, Hey, we're the norm here. Like this isn't, this isn't that different. It's just, you're making fun of us because we haven't made the playoffs in a long time. And they're right about that. They're absolutely right about that because how all sports are done now is protecting the athletes from going viral. Don't say anything in your interviews. Make sure that you're on the cliche line. And I I get why from the sports team's standpoint that they do that. But I also think that athletes feel like you're not supposed to do that. And the criticism, if you even look at Cam Newton, and this goes for, I think, especially with black athletes, if you, if you say anything, if you show your personality, if you dance in the end zone, if you whatever, you know you're going to get a ton of people to have hot takes on you and what you do. And you know it's going to be debated for 24 hours on ESPN. Does Cam Newton smile too much and things like that? So for Muhammad Ali, 
to talk the way he did about racism and about war and all those things, it's gone away. Maybe he opened the door for it, but that door has been shut. And that's interesting to me as as part of his legacy is, is not having seen him box. I can't tell you about what it looked like with all of his famous fights. And I think we know how great he was in terms of his record, in terms of the number of victories and wins and the famous fights. But the legacy, I think he probably would have wanted better for athletes now. He would have wanted athletes to be more politically active, to be more open in what they thought and what they felt. And also just a grade A trash talker. We don't get a whole lot of trash talk. You know, even Steph Curry and LeBron James, they won't do it. You know they want to, but they won't do it. You don't think that LeBron wants to say, I'm going to crush this little twerp. (laughs) 803-0550, 1-888-552-550. Let's go to Mike in Albany to kick us off here on WGR. How's it going, Mike? Good morning, Matt. I'm uh, probably closer in age to your father. I'm a child of the 70s. And just a couple of things on Ali. In 2002, I won a trip to the ESPY Awards, and the greatest memory I have of that night was being in the same building as Muhammad Ali, Samuel Jackson, at one point. He was the host that year, and he, intru- he just said, Muhammad Ali is here, just the audience collectively lost it. It was, uh, that's what I'll always remember about that night. Ali, as I think you were getting to, he understood the showmanship. He also understood the marketing. Uh, in 77, this was when I was 10 years old. Yes, I'm closing in on 50, but he had a short-lived cartoon series on NBC on Saturday mornings, and he did his own voice. And also around that time, I remember watching this as a kid, he uh, appeared on one of the editions of the Saturday morning WW, then WWF program, and he got in the ring, took his shirt and tie off, and was sparring with Gorilla Monsoon, <laughs> a late big very big wrestler until gorilla got until gorilla airplane spun alley so he understood the showmanship he understood how to have fun and finally matt um i cringe a lot when i hear sports casters refer to athletes as heroes for the most part because they hit a buzzer beater through a touchdown pass at the last second but alley for me like arthur ash like Billie jean king those athletes for me epitomize the word hero because of the stances they took that may have been unpopular at the time, they put themselves out there. And I will always have fond memories of him. And thank you for letting me talk, Matt. It's appreciated. My great call. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. 803 Matthew Collar here. Sports Talk Saturday. We will talk about the NHL Combine. Next segment we'll get to Paul Hamilton. We'll get some of his thoughts on the passing of Muhammad Ali, as well as what's going on at the Harbor Center today which is uh, a lot of the testing. I was down there this morning, and I watched a guy give his wingspan and uh, do a jump. So got all the scoops on those sorts of things. I did stand next to Lou Lamarillo for a little while. That was kind of cool. From, from Toronto now, longtime uh, New Jersey GM. So 803-0550 to jump in with your thoughts on Muhammad Ali. And I, he is the... Ultimate for me, number one, and it's not even close to a number two for the athlete that I wish I had a chance to see do what he did, that I wish I had the chance to see him fight. And there's there's nothing it doesn't compare 
to just go to YouTube and watch him. And I'm seeing a lot of the clips today on Twitter that people are posting of him dodging 20 punches in five seconds or whatever. I mean, the, the quickness, the athleticism, it's, and it also reminds you of how beautiful a, a sport boxing can be. And I know with concussions and brain injuries and those sorts of things, that's one of the reasons that it's gone away, as well as it being totally disorganized and corrupt and all those sorts of things. But boxing, when it was number one, I mean, we're experiencing a little bit of that with the NFL, where a Super Bowl draws a hundred million. But that's part of my dad's memories of Muhammad Ali are that when he had a fight, it was a huge deal. It was the number one thing in sports. And we are so far removed from that that I think my generation, has. we remember maybe a little bit of Mike Tyson. For me, that's it. A little bit of Mike Tyson. And boxing is non-existent. And when it was number one, what a beautiful sport it can be. So tactical and... Uh, I, I mean, I mean, just it, it, with watching Ali, not it's not just athletic and strong, but it's also smart and quick, and it's one on one, which is something that we see it in, in tennis. With I think Serena Williams lost. I was just looking up there. Is that right? Serena Williams just lost, but with Serena Williams, with tennis, where she is a amazing mix of power and skill and all right and intelligence and all that, where you're. You're just playing the game one-on-one. There's no one out there to help you. There are no teammates to blame. It is just you and the other person. And boxing is so great for that. And I, I, I miss that I – miss me is the wrong word because you'd have to know something to miss it. That I, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get to see that era of great boxing with Ken Norton and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. 74 years old, he passes away today. 803-0550 is the number. Memories, thoughts, and what would it be like today if Muhammad Ali is here? And do you want that? Do you want athletes to be in a box? Do you want, because that's how they are now. Do you want them to be a brand? Do you want them to just play the game and keep their mouth shut? I am so far away from that. And it's another thing that's, that's sort of frustrating that his legacy didn't carry over to this era of athletes feeling like they could speak their mind publicly because they're afraid to have that brand be harmed. And a good example of this is even Richard Sherman. Something so small is Richard Sherman going off on TV, and the next day he's getting called a thug and it's being debated 24-7 and he's being just crushed for saying what? That Michael Crabtree couldn't hang with him or wasn't good enough. Or he's, I think he said, don't talk about me, Michael Crabtree. Trash talk is gone. Even, I mean, even if, even if some of you don't want your athletes to be political, you can at least be upset that trash talk is gone. We don't have any trash talk anymore in sports. We get a little bit and we jump on it like hungry Wolverines in sports media. We get the littlest bit, and we are all over it because we almost get none of that anymore. How fun would Curry LeBron be if those two were exchanging words every other game? I mean, I even think about back to the mid-'90s and Reggie Miller and the Knicks 
and how Reggie Miller was talking trash in the media and things like that. It just doesn't happen anymore. Let's get Dennis and Lockport here on WGR. Go ahead, Dennis. Hey, Matthew. Um, I was just telling the screener that I really didn't like Muhammad Ali because of his bravado and how he used to brag about everything. But when you would watch him box, you couldn't help but like how good he was. His greatness overcame my dislike for his act. And I really ended up really liking him a lot more than disliking him. I used to always root for the underdog. But after watching him, I really appreciated his skill. Thanks, Dennis. And uh, I wonder about that with some of the players that we criticize now. I mean, if we're talking about uh, LeBron James and him being a choker or not a great leader, all these things, how once we're removed from that, when we look back at the player's legacy or Muhammad Ali's legacy, even if you didn't like how much he bragged, you look back at him and just understand how special he was. 8030550188552550 we will check in with Paul Hamilton who is down at the NHL combine at the Harbor Center get his thoughts on the passing of Muhammad Ali as well as what's going on down there at the Harbor Center today and maybe some Sabres offseason talk as well Matthew Collar Sports Talk Saturday on WGR you know, it wasn't just about autographs and kissing babies and all of that. You know, if, it, if there was a child who was hungry in a third world country, Muhammad was on a plane with a check in hand. If there was a conflict, he could help resolve. Muhammad was traveling. He, he was a guy, he was a man of action. Muhammad Ali passing away at the age of 74. I will say this every segment of the show today. Find, if it's on Netflix, Schmetzmelix, or the internet, some sort of totally legal website or YouTube or whatever it takes, find the documentary When We Were Kings and watch it. It's about the rumble in the jungle. And what makes it so fascinating is that Ali was no longer great at that time. Ali was toward the end of his run. And it was thought, as they talk about throughout this documentary, that George Foreman was going to kill him in the ring, that he had no chance against George Foreman. People were advising him not to do it, not to fight Foreman, because George Foreman was so much younger and so powerful and dangerous. And, I mean, this was the rope This was Ali's defining fight, I think, or one of them. I mean, with so many accomplishments, there are many defining fights. But this is the one that is so memorable because he wasn't any longer the greatest at that time, that Foreman was probably the best fighter in the world, and it was held in Zaire, which even makes it so much more interesting, and uh, the event that it became, all, all the pomp and circumstance around it, so fascinating, so find it, uh, when we were kings. Matthew Collar here, WGR, 803-0550 is the phone number to jump on with your thoughts about Muhammad Ali's passing, your memories. I had my dad on in the first segment because... He grew up watching Ali from that perspective, and that's one that um, on a day like today, I kind of feel sad that I didn't have that experience. I'm, I'm jealous of all of you who grew up watching Muhammad Ali. So feel free to jump on. Give me your memories. We bring in Paul Hamilton now, who is live from the NHL Combine. Paul, how are you? I am well. We're doing some yelling and screaming to my left down there. 
Okay, well, people, uh, that's what they usually do when they hear you on the air anyway. So <laughs> The wind gate is going on. Oh, I see. Okay, well, so, Paul, uh, before I ask you what else is going on down there other than wind gate yelling and screaming, Muhammad Ali, I mean, I opened up the show talking about him not only being the greatest athlete, probably greatest athlete of all time, but also as a personality, as an entertainer, as an activist, and all those things. Paul, I don't know exactly how old you are, you are, or how you, how much you remember of Muhammad Ali. But was that, uh, I guess, watching him a, a part of your childhood growing up watching sports? Yeah, and the the thing is, he could back it up. And you talk about having a plan. That's what made him such a great fighter because everything he did was unorthodox. You know, you, Dominic Hoshik wasn't the first uh, athlete to do things in an unorthodox way. I mean, Muhammad Ali, you you just mentioned he would go into a fight and some people would think, oh, he has no chance. Well, the problem is his opponent had, couldn't figure out what he was doing. I mean, he would almost make you laugh some of the things he would do. And you're, you're there trying to hit the guy and and he, he, he's trying, doing all his antics and all his... Uh, shuffling around and rope-a-dope and everything else, and you're looking like, what is he doing? And next thing you know, you're laying on the canvas, you know, and he just, even the things he said, the bravado and everything, he always had that little smirk on his face, you know, like he was kidding, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he would say things for effect and, you know, while he had a fight in a studio, I believe against Frazier, Mm -hmm. uh, the, abc studio well he knew what he was doing i mean it wasn't a real fight that he wanted to hurt somebody it was entertainment you know let's let's shake people up a little bit let's have some entertainment let's grab howard cosell and uh you know play games with him and everything and the ultimate showman who could back it up and you talked about you don't have much of that anymore and the people that do have the bravado many of them like like rex ryan can't back it up <laughs> And, you know, he, he's one that could back up every single word that he says. Well, and it, it's, it's so interesting to me, you know, watching that documentary and the more you read about his career is just the mind games that he would play with opponents, too. It wasn't just talking to talk or talking to say, I'm great, I'm great, but also that if the fight was in June, that the fight started for him in January, you know, that, that he would start getting inside of his opponent's head way before uh, the fight would ever happen, and that he was not only the greatest fighter of all time, Paul, but the greatest mind game player of all time, too. That's the thing. How do you prepare? Because, you know, he would show up and do something different. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, I saw this last five fights, and it's probably not what he's going to do against me. I know what I like to do, but he also knows what I like to do. And it was almost impossible to prepare for him. Paul Hamilton joining us from the NHL Combine at Harbor Center in downtown Buffalo. Well, let me ask you about what's going on there today, Paul. So we know wind gates because you've uh, let us know about that. I was also down there this morning and watched people give their wingspans. So mm-hmm. what else is happening with the NHL Combine? Yeah, you have the wingspan, you have a long jump, um, a bench press pull-ups, you know, things that people would know. Something called a Y balance, where you have pieces of wood that are actually in a capital Y shape. And the pieces of wood slide, so they start where the two 
um, bars of the Y would come into one, and you put your left leg on, on a, you, you cross it behind you, and you put your left leg on a piece of wood that's going to slide down that part of the Y, and they like to see how far you can go, you know, before, before you lose your balance. And then you're going to turn it around and do the same thing the other way. Uh, so that's uh, that's a little bit different. They have the pro agility. I'm sitting here with Pat Malacaro. Last year we saw um, Connor McDavid wipe out on this thing. <laughs> it's it's on you know an old piece of basketball floor from looks like the odd. I don't know if it's from the arena. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're but, talking about. But uh, but it's very slippery. So I thought, okay, last year after the, we almost lost a couple of the guys on the thing, <laughs> that they would fix it. No, still slippery. Uh, I'm very surprised about that. Uh, though, but that's that they call that the pro agility. It's almost like, uh, you know, you run down, you stop at the line, you got to go back the other way and, and type of thing. So it's easy to slide on that piece of wood. So if you're the Buffalo Sabres and you're watching all these guys run back and forth and slide on the basketball court area and do their jumps and all those sorts of things, Paul, what are you taking out of all of the events that are happening today? That's the thing. They do this. And, of course, all the strength. And it's not the GMs that are sitting down at the tables. It's the strength and conditioning coaches that are down at the tables right in front. I'm sure they're taking some things out of this, but the thing is, you draft one of these players in June, and by July 1st, they're on a program of their own. You bring them in here for camp, rookie camp and a strength and conditioning coach. So I think it's for them just to see maybe where these players are at in their conditioning so they can hit the ground running once a player is drafted and and you bring them in here. So I think it's more for that. But I don't think this really affects drafts. I mean, how ridiculous was it a couple years ago when Sam Bennett couldn't do a pull-up and so much was made for it? Who cares? (laughs) Do, Do they really think that hurt his draft status? If he did 25 pull-ups, guess what? He was still the first pick of the Calgary Flames. Right. You know, it meant, but so much, you know, and to a point where they embarrassed the poor kid. I mean, leave him alone. Who cares if he can do a pull-up or not? I, uh, I care if he can score goals in the National Hockey League and be a National Hockey League player, which he has shown us he can do. I couldn't care less if he can do a pull-up or or things like that. Uh, just to me, too much was made of it. I, Matthew, I think what the GMs and the teams get out of this is the interviewing that was done earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I think that's where maybe a player could impress a GM or maybe go the other way. And they can say to themselves, ooh, wait a minute here. This guy's a dope. Maybe maybe we, <laughs> we shouldn't have draft we shouldn't draft this guy. I think that has more to do with their draft status and what we're looking at today. Yeah, maybe also part of it is the physical development, how far along they are, because everybody's different. You know, I mean Jack Eichel was far more physically developed and, and really quite a bit older than Connor McDavid, that he had had almost a full extra year from just how their birthdays worked out. So when we saw them jumping together you looked at mcdavid and said okay he's gonna need to bulk up he's gonna need to grow and and develop physically where jack is kind of ahead of his curve so well what what are you doing down there today quite honestly i'm looking around i don't even see tim murray he might be here i don't even see him 
uh, you know, the Sabres strength and conditioning people are here. But And I remember in Toronto when Kevin Devine and Darcy Regeer used to be around and I wanted to talk to them. Well, I better do it quick because they'd get up and leave. They, yeah. It, the, the strength and conditioning guy, they're the ones that stay. There was one year they weren't even there for it. Mm-hmm. I actually talked to Doug McKinney because he was the top Sabre person that was there at the time. Uh, Devine and Regeer weren't even there. I don't think the GMs much care about what goes on today. Well, what about you, Paul? Do you care what's going on today? Are you going to have a, t- a chance to talk to some players? Yes. Um, uh, very soon we're going to have Ole Levy, uh, a guy who the Hockey News has number six on their chart. But I'd almost guarantee you if he's sitting there at eight, I think the Sabres take him. Hmm. And a uh, very good conversation. And as you listen to him, uh, he's only known English for a year. He, you know, when he went to London, it was his first time, and he really didn't know English very well. And I was very impressed uh, with his English. And he said he didn't take any classes. He just learned it while playing hockey in London So, uh, with the London Knights. So that that uh, I was fairly impressed with his English and seems like a good kid. He doesn't know Rasmus Ristolainen. They grew up in two different parts of the country, but did say that he would love to play with Rasmus Ristolainen. And the fact that Ristolainen's a number one defenseman already at 21 and Olimata is playing for a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins really gives him some juice there to say, you know, hey, you know, that, that, that could be me down the road. Paul Hamilton is at Harbor Center covering the NHL Combine. Well, stick around, Paul, because we'll check back in with you. I've got a few Sabres offseason questions for you while you're down there. So get the wheels turning, and we'll also hear your conversation at the top of the hour with Ole Olevi. So don't go anywhere, Paul. I will be here. All right. Paul Hamilton at the NHL Combine also talking about Muhammad Ali passing away at the age of 74. So I want to take your calls as well. 803-0550 is the number, 1-888-550-2550. We'll also talk with Brad Bisbing from the Bisons coming up in a little bit about their promotion to keep Brady suspended. That's what the Bisons are going to be doing next week. And uh, we'll also talk to Lauren Brill, former Buffalo news reporter, uh, TV reporter, and now works in Cleveland. And she's been covering LeBron James all year. So she's going to come up at 1.30. But taking your calls on Muhammad Ali, 803-0550, And when we come back, Nate is going to read some famous quotes that are just awesome from Muhammad Ali. That's next here, Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Words can explain what... You know, Muhammad Ali done for the sport of boxing. Um, you know, he's one of the guys that paved the way for me to be where I'm at today. So, you know, we lost a legend, a hero, and a great man. I want people to understand that Muhammad, he, he broke the barrier between black and whites. He, he wanted us to love each other. And he wanted us to raise up from, from bad to the greatest. The greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, passed away at the age of 74. Matthew Collar back here, Nate Geary as well, on Sports Talk Saturday. And uh, we will have a couple of his greatest quotes. USA Today put out his 30 greatest quotes. And there's probably, mm, I don't know, 500 that are worthy. But they put out a nice compact list that we're going to read a few of them because they are so, so good. Taking your calls, getting your thoughts on Muhammad Ali at 803-0550, him passing away at the age of 74. And 
You know, I, I said it earlier, if you, if you have a debate on it, feel free to jump in. But I think he is number one in terms of greatest athlete of all time. There's a lot of names that we could put up there. Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. There's a lot of them. Babe Ruth. But I think he rises above. And it's not just because of his accomplishments in the ring, but also his personality and his brilliance and his outspokenness and his activism put all together because I, I think we all would agree that being a great athlete is about more than just what you accomplish on the field. And as far as an icon and a figure in sports, he is number one. And again, I wake up today feeling like it's unfortunate that I did not get to see Muhammad Ali in his prime, that I didn't get to watch his career, that I didn't get to watch the, I would say, the the... the the rise, the, the ups and downs of what it means to be a politically outspoken athlete and how at times America was split on Muhammad Ali, that there were people in his corner, so to speak, that loved what he was doing and thought it was socially important. And there were people that thought he should just be quiet and uh, play the game if you will, which I'm going to ask, by the way, I'm having Brad Bisbing, who is public relations for the Bisons. I'm having him on at 1230 to talk about this tremendous promotion they're doing to keep Brady suspended. But I'm going to ask him about doing public relations and the relationship that athletes have with media and their brands and things like that today. Because in my mind, a personality like Muhammad Ali gets muted, gets beaten down by the reaction that comes along with anything you say if you're an athlete and the sheer number of people who have access to come tell you to shut up, that it may have been different then, been a lot different then, than it is now. Let's get to some of those quotes, Nate. USA Today, 30 greatest quotes of Muhammad Ali. What do you got? Well, I'm going to start with this one because it's pretty awesome. And it's the second quote that's in the article. And the quote is, Service to others is the rent you pay for the room here on Earth. Yeah, that's a great one. He it's has good. he has so many that are great trash talking, which I also miss. If you yes. miss that too, chime in. Great trash talking and also inspiring things to live by. Uh, the the from the trash talking category. If you ever dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. Mm. <laughs> it's brilliant. Bragging is when a person says something and can't do it. I do what I say. And indeed he, he did. did. I'm so mean I make medicine sick. <laughs> <laughs> I should be a postage stamp. That's the only way I'll ever get licked. <laughs> you know, if he if he was around when uh hip hop diss songs oh, were man. around, man, he would have uh He'd have been the greatest. He would have been the best. Uh let's see. If they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, then they can sure make something out of you. <laughs> I hated every minute of training, but I said don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Here's another one. Uh, a man who has no imagination has no wings. Beautiful statements from Muhammad Ali. We'll pull out a few of those as we go along today. Your thoughts, Muhammad Ali. What if he was around today as active, as much trash talk as he did? Do you want to see it more from your athletes? 8030550, the number. Paul Hamilton with Ole Yolevi. 
who is a prospect and a potential pick for the Sabres. Paul had a chance to speak with him. Oleo Levy of the London Knights. The NHL Combine is going on. We will check in very soon again with Paul Hamilton and hear from him talking with Oleo Levy as well as taking your calls, reading your tweets, and so forth on the passing of Muhammad Ali. Matthew Collar, Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. A devout Muslim, an interfaith pioneer, he took the name Muhammad Ali in 1964 and advocated for understanding and peace among people of different faiths. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.